0: Right now, a major Chinese real estate company called Evergrande Group is on the brink of failure.
1: Chinese real estate giant Evergrande is sinking under $300 billion of debt. If it's allowed to collapse, it could trigger a crash in China's property market that accounts
0: for over a quarter of its GDP. The company's problems are in part because of a crackdown from China's government. Real estate prices have been rising rapidly for years, and Chinese President Xi Jinping has imposed new regulations to try and slow that growth.
1: Xi Jinping has mentioned many times, housing is for living, not for speculation.
0: That's our colleague Lingling Wei. She says that in the past, China's government would bail out a company like Evergrande. But that doesn't look likely this time. This morning, the Wall Street Journal reported that the Chinese government has been preparing for the company's collapse. And Evergrande is not the only company that the Chinese government is cracking down on. Right now, China is on a campaign to rein in its own private sector, imposing roughly 100 new regulations on some of its biggest companies since last year. And Ling Ling says this crackdown goes beyond typical economic policymaking— The
1: recent spate of policy actions is way bigger than just regulatory crackdown. It's reflective of the Chinese leader's effort to inject greater ideological purity into the Chinese system to make China's economic model look more like socialism, Mao Zedong's socialist vision, as opposed to Western-style capitalism.
0: Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, September 23rd. Coming up on the show, how President Xi Jinping is rewriting the rules of China's economy. To understand what's happening to the Evergrande Group and other Chinese companies, we have to go back a few decades, before President Xi came to power. Back in the late 1970s, China was still following Mao Zedong's blueprint for economic socialism. But when Deng Xiaoping became China's leader in 1978, he decided to open China to the rest of the world, and that meant embracing Western-style capitalism
1: the former chinese leader that herited this era of reform and opening up when china started to embrace the outside world embrace market forces you know he famously said let a few people get rich first or this famous cat quote he said no matter your white cat or black cat as long as you can catch mice you're a good cat so — What he was trying to convey back then was, let's cast aside all that kind of ideological labeling. Let's focus on developing the economy. Let's focusing on development.
0: — So by the time Xi Jinping came to power in 2012, capitalism already had a good foothold in China. Global investors were pouring in, and Chinese startups were turning into global powerhouses. But Lingling says Xi Jinping started to become distrustful of capitalism. China's economic growth was slowing, and he wasn't always able to control the free market.
1: One event that really spooked him was 2015, when China's stock market crashed after a significant run up in stock prices. And that experience really made him very wary of market forces. And and in the end it was, you know, state funds that came to the rescue and then propped up the market again. Western capitalism, in his view, just focuses too heavily on the single-minded pursuit of profit and individual wealth, while letting big companies, big conglomerates grow too powerful. And that has led to inequality, social injustice, and other threats to social stability.
0: On top of that, Xi Jinping saw how much power big companies were amassing in the U.S., And he was not a fan. When Facebook
1: and Twitter took down President Trump's accounts for uh, Xi Jinping, you know, he took that as yet another sign. American-style capitalism was flawed. It was broken Mm -hmm. because it let big business dictate what a political leader should do or say. And that must not happen in China.
0: So his concern was that companies were getting so big and so powerful— In China, that it sort of threatened his power and the power of the Communist Party. Exactly. So Xi Jinping started cracking down on the private sector, including on some of the country's most celebrated businesses. Last year, the Chinese government blocked a hotly anticipated IPO for one of its biggest tech startups.
1: In November of last year, Xi Jinping personally intervened to stop Jack Ma's and Group, which is a financial technology company, from launching a world beating IPO. That was just such a seminal moment in China's economic history. Marked the first time that the government would have stopped one of their basically star companies from carrying out a significant fundraising plan for future growth. So ever since then, you just have seen one action after another.
0: One area the government has been cracking down on recently is real estate. Housing prices have been rising rapidly, putting a strain on the middle class. So to try and bring down prices, China is limiting the amount of money that real estate developers can borrow. And that's part of the reason Evergrande, a major real estate developer, has found itself in so much trouble.
1: So for companies like Evergrande, they just have binged on debt for years. And all of a sudden, cash flow is becoming a problem. So the default risk is rising by the day. That really has become a huge destabilizing factor in global markets today.
0: And it's not just real estate and fintech companies. Xi Jinping is taking aim at a wide range of businesses, blocking IPOs, adding new regulations, and even pushing some companies to donate billions of dollars to social causes. And there's seemingly no company too successful to avoid it. For example, in April, Alibaba, China's version of Amazon, saw regulatory action against it.
2: Chinese regulators hit Alibaba with a record fine, accusing the world's largest online retailer of abusing its strong position.
0: And a few months later, a ride-sharing company called Didi also got hit.
2: The
1: communist government sending regulators, including security and police officials, right to the headquarters of the ride-hailing giant today. This con-
0: And even after-school tutoring. One company, run by a man named Yu Min Hong, was told it was no longer allowed to be a for-profit business. It had to become a non-profit.
1: Yu Min Hong is one of the typical rags to riches stories in China. He really came, you know, with nothing. But over the years has built a very successful business
0: and after this new rule, the company's stock plunged 90% overnight. Yu Minghong, whose nickname is godfather of English training in China,
1: you know, recently broke into tears at one of those internal company meetings because overnight, this one government director just wiped out the entire business for him.
0: For people in China, these changes were surprising. Xi's crackdowns were unprecedented, and no one really knew what to make of it.
1: There has been a lot of debate and confusion within China, too. If you ask investors, private business owners, they're very confused and they are very worried. One of the entrepreneurs recently told us, if you want us to share the fruits of our success, then what's the point of trying so hard to build a business? But if you ask some other People, like maybe parents of students and felt really overburdened by ever-rising housing prices, by ever-rising education costs. They may tell you a different story. They may say, yo, this is the right thing to do.
0: Amid this confusion, Lingling decided to closely study Xi's writings and speeches to try and make sense of what he's hoping to accomplish.
1: Because the scale the breadth of the crackdown it's just so broad you know in years past china definitely had launched similar campaigns before but none so sweeping basically you got so many sectors affected by the crackdown and so many entrepreneurs affected and even industries like entertainment and digital gaming it's just very broad campaign against the private sector. So we're really trying to figure out what exactly Xi Jinping is up to, where exactly he's taking China.
0: After the break, Ling Ling's analysis tells us what President Xi's been up to.
2: This episode is brought to you by Citizen M. There's no better feeling than finishing work for the day, sipping an ice-cold soda and nuzzling down into a Citizen M bed. Recharge your brain and batteries at Citizen M hotels. They're in the tech cities, Menlo Park, Miami, Austin, New York, San Francisco, where people like you work, sleep, and play. Book now at citizenm.com slash thejournal.
0: July 1st is a public holiday in China. It's the day people celebrate the founding of China's Communist Party. There are about 90 million members of the CCP, and some of them travel to Beijing to cheer on party leaders during a massive celebration. President Xi Jinping
1: vows China will never be bullied again as the ruling Communist Party celebrates its 100th anniversary.
0: This year was the 100th anniversary of that founding, so the celebrations were even bigger than usual. It was held at Tiananmen Square, the same place Mao Zedong declared the founding of the People's Republic of China. And when Xi Jinping took the stage this year, he was wearing the iconic gray suit that Mao made famous.
1: So then Xi Jinping delivered a very rousing and aggressive speech. Basically, he talked about how the party really saved China and we needed to continue to follow our own path and we need to stand up for the people." So it's it's a very confident and aggressive speech. And immediately after the speech, the international, this uh, song that, you know, traditionally a song of uh, celebrating the uh, socialist movement in China, you know, was played. The biggest significance of that song is that, uh, you know, it it represents a kind of declaration of war by the
0: working class on capitalism. And Xi Jinping sang along to the song.
1: The side was pretty amazing. You know, he was wearing this mouse suit and speaking from a podium adorned by the symbol of China's Communist Party.
0: Inside China, a lot of people loved it.
1: The speech kind of uh, fed into this already rising nationalist sentiment in China. You know, over the past couple of years, especially after the trade war with the U.S. and the pandemic, um, the Chinese public really felt very proud of what China has done. They felt like, you know, China kept the economy going despite Trump's very aggressive actions against China. And also they felt like China had done a much better job than the rest of the world in terms of fighting pandemic.
0: It's speeches like these that Ling Ling has been paying close attention to. She says that this speech in particular from July was a signal of the deeper ideological shifts that Xi Jinping is implementing. Tell me sort of what your revelation was. After you finished that review, Did you, did you was it sort of an aha moment for you? I would
1: say it was both a "aha" moment and a not-so "aha moment for me, <laughs> because the signs have been there for a long time. but obviously, you know, before this recent crackdown, right? And people kind of thought, "Oh, All those Communist Party leaders say that. They all talk about, you know, the belief in Marxism, in communism, in socialism. Few people have taken that too seriously. But with Xi Jinping, it's different. You know, as evidenced by the crackdown, he really means what he says now. You know, he really wants to show that he's doing something more drastic, big,
0: Lingling says that Xi Jinping's writings show he's more ideologically driven than any of his recent predecessors. Under previous
1: leaders before Xi, the overarching agenda priority really was economic development. Economy trumped ideology. But under Xi Jinping, it's politics ideology trumped everything else. So where he's moving China is... To a state where it's more socialist, you know, as evidenced by the kind of tighter restrictions on private entrepreneurs, the tighter restrictions on foreign businesses operating in China, and the kind of, um, you know, burden that's on them these days.
0: Mm-hmm. So is, is Xi Jinping trying to return to a Mao style of communism? So Xi Jinping
1: really is a very passionate follower of Mao's. Really, his ideological preference is deep rooted in Mao Zedong's theories, which you know really see capitalism as a transitory phase towards socialism.
0: Hmm. But.
1: I don't think Xi Jinping is trying to move China back into the kind of famines and cruel years of cultural revolution. That is different. But he does share the kind of visions Mao has for China's future. It's not Western-style capitalism, but it's more, you know, socialist. The state Mm -hmm. has a much bigger role in Every aspect of Chinese life, the party controls everything, be it military, be it foreign policy, be it education, be it economy.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's the kind of vision she has for China.
0: When asked for comment, the Information Office of the State Council, which is China's top government body, didn't respond to Ling Ling's questions. Part of the reason Xi Jinping might be pushing for this ideological shift is because of his own interest in staying in power. He's led China for nearly a decade, and he's supposed to step down by 2023. But there are strong signals he's trying to hold on to power.
1: So under the established system of succession, he should step down by the end of next year. You know, the party will have another big convention of sort a new slate of leaders should be announced. However, Xi Jinping is very much expected to break this established system of succession to stay at least for another term. But you still need to justify longer rule, right? Longer-than-expected rule. So what he's doing now is basically a way of conveying to the Chinese public, look... You really need a strong leader like me to be in place, to be in office for longer, to address all the problems you're facing.
0: Because mm-hmm. we've got something big going on right now. Exactly. We should have a transition in leadership.
1: Exactly. And only he can fix things. Only mm-hmm. he can carry out the kind of reforms in, you know defined by him.
0: So if Xi Jinping's vision does get fully enacted, what do you think China's economy will look like?
1: His vision, money and other resources, would flow to areas that he thinks are key to China's future, like high-end manufacturing, semiconductors, AI, uh, new energy vehicles, etc. And not too much money we just go into speculative areas like stock markets and housing market or you know internet platform companies like alibaba but there's a reason why market forces work right in countries like the US and other democratic countries that is good for competition and competition is good for innovation But in China, private competition, private business is being clamped down so much. What is the incentive for innovation? That's a huge question.
0: That's all for today, Thursday, September 23rd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. This episode has been updated to correct the pronunciation of Evergrande Group. Apologies for the mistake. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.